I think many people have come into 2021 with a different perspective given the year that we've had, and it's varied greatly depending on who you are and where you are. It seems that we are thinking a bit differently about how we spend our time and our energies and our money as well. Uh, I even noticed that Steve, our senior minister, seemed to be taking a different approach to things recently when he spoke in church two weeks ago on the last Sunday of the year. Here's a photo from that service of Steve. There he is. Um, whether you were here or not, I'm not sure, but I was here and I noticed something very interesting that was a little bit different about Steve. So let's have a look at the next shot. Yeah, right? Did you, did you catch that? Was it just me? <laughs> Shop at op shops, who knew? I didn't actually pick Steve as an op shopper. Okay, I'm an op shopper, I usually recognize them. Not Steve, I didn't, I didn't pick it, but I like it. I think it's very sustainable. I think it's excellent. Good to go into the new year with a new approach, isn't it? Especially 2021. Well, there's heaps of people here that I don't know today, which is actually a great problem. Um, it's actually a great opportunity to meet lots of new people over the coming weeks. And um, so I just want to introduce myself. I'm Ruth. Um, I grew up in Launceston. I've been part of this church for over 30 years. I like to call myself a veteran, <laughs> um, but it just means I'm kind of middle-aged. And um, <laughs> I'm married to Paul. Uh, we have two amazing young sons. And uh, we're small business owners. And I work part-time here at church in the Hope Generation team, um, working with the Sunday morning kids program or preparing for that program. And I love that. I was taught about the things of God um, by my parents from earlier than I can remember. So essentially my whole life, that has been part of my upbringing. And one of my earliest memories is actually um, being unwell on a Sunday morning. And so staying at home from church with my mum and my brother, who is one year older than me. And dad was um, preaching at a country church somewhere, which he did very often. And because we couldn't go, we made our own church service. And um, I can see my brother right now getting a little box step that we had and, and standing in the lounge room, standing on the step and preaching a really dynamic sermon for a four-year-old. And then because I had to follow, <clears throat> um, I got up and I recited a verse that my mum had been teaching us, the memory verse that um, is Proverbs 3, 6, and this is the version that I learnt. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. And while I was writing these notes, I was reminded how much that verse still applies to my life from those times when I was three uh, and younger uh, until this very day, especially today as an adult, it applies. And I'd like to say that it started me on a very straight trajectory in my Christian life. I'd love to present that to you this morning, perhaps like um, this first graph I have, that uh, we could see that my personal discipline 
and my maturity just increased just in a, a beautiful straight line as time goes past. I don't know why Bruce is laughing. Um, perhaps he, he has never seen a graph like that with maturity and dis I don't know. In fact, it would be a nice story, but it's not true at all, as you could guess. I'm with Bruce, if that is the case, Bruce. Um, actually, it's been a little bit more like the next graph. Yeah, yep, that's... Actually, I think that's actually way more accurate than most of you think. Um, I studied statistics at university, so um, part of my degree was in graphing statistics. So, uh, yeah, it's very accurate, and um, I'm sure <laughs> that um, we can all relate in some way to a messy kind of life. And thinking about my own personality traits, I know that I have a tendency to be headstrong, but I also have a tendency to be easily distracted. As some of my friends would say, oh look, a bird. Easily taken away from the focus at hand. I am quite driven by emotions if I don't watch myself. And I have, uh, I guess part of my story is experience with depression. And that developed very obviously in my life about 12 years ago. Um, as postnatal depression, and is something that I live with and manage, but is well uh, managed by the medication that I have, and I have seen um, great benefit come from that and great change to being back to myself again. But it is still a challenge that does appear at different times and different seasons. And I guess, as we probably all could say, I know I have a tendency to be selfish as well. These are my tendencies when I'm left to my own devices. And I want to make a point of that. It's really important to remember when we're left to our own devices, our lives can look very different from what we would want and from what God has intended. See, I've noticed that I somehow have the ability to know God and to have done that for most of my life, to love God, to believe wholeheartedly that Jesus is the answer, the saviour, everything that we need, and yet still to make a whole heap of poor decisions, paths taken that are not the best or not the wisest. And sometimes it's painfully obvious to those around me Many of you have seen me in those times, and many of you have encouraged and helped me back to a better place. Other times, it's actually a silent and an invisible struggle. It's just within me, and it can be easily seen that people aren't struggling just because of how they sometimes present on the outside. I have summarised it by saying that I have not always acknowledged God in all of my ways and let him direct my paths. But before you get worried that I'm being too hard on myself, I actually don't think I'm unique in this particular area. We all have times where we don't move in the direction of God's intention for us, of God's best. We don't make wonderful choices 
We don't go down those wise paths. Even as followers of Jesus, we sometimes deviate and go on tangents or just go backwards, it seems. One of the key mistakes I have made is to sometimes miss out the central character in my story out of my daily life. And they are the times when I find it so incomplete and so unfulfilling. And today, as I share some of my everyday faith, which we started last week with Joel in the morning and Renee in the evening, I am just simply going to share some of my current perspective on my everyday faith and what I have been learning. So the following images that we're going to have a quick look at are ridiculous examples that are meant to highlight how terrible it is when we remove or miss the central character of Jesus out of our lives. So let's have a look at those. Trying to fix my life without the help of God. Does it look familiar in any way? The second one, when you try to take a step forward in life without Jesus. Actually, I think that might be footage of me. Um, I'm actually really clumsy. But I also remember, and this is in no way suggesting that my driving is questionable, but the next image, I do remember a few times like this, when you try to turn your life around without Jesus, that's uh, like a 90-point turn or, yeah, maybe not even that, maybe it's just not going to happen. I think that's the reality. I think we laugh because they're silly, um, but they're also really close to the truth in a lot of times in our lives. What's most relatable about them and this type of thing, when we see it depicted like this, it shows just how obviously bad things go for people who, when they, who follow Jesus but aren't following Jesus. It seems so obvious, but it happens. It absolutely happens to all of us because we're all human. We've been given everything we need to make life work. Everything we need is in Christ. It's where we find our true joy, our peace, contentment, purpose, all of those wonderful things. We could go on with a list. And it's regardless of our circumstances that we can find those things when we are in Christ. But we do keep going back to the gaffer tape approach at times. Instead of relying on the godly direction when we actually have been given it at our fingertips. These instructions from God for life are so easily accessible to us in our generation. It hasn't always been the way, but we are truly blessed because of the availability of God's word, the Bible, whether it be in a physical book form or whether it be audio or whether it just be spoken in public here when we gather in a church or any church, Christian church across the world, um, or now we have it in our pockets, online, in our apps, on our phones. It is simply the most powerful and consistent way that God speaks into my life, the Word of God. I've been reading it in one way or another, or having it read to me my whole life, as I've said, and it's still speaks directly to my circumstances, my situation, or 
more privately the cries of my heart that others do not know about or I don't even know how to express. God uses his word to speak to me in the times, first of all, when I'm listening, but also when I need it the most. It's always there. It never is unavailable to me, but I seem to have better ears when I really need to hear. And it's interesting that the verse that I mentioned that inspires me, Proverbs 3, 6, um, also points me and us to other passages in the Bible, in God's Word. Here are just some life-giving instructions that um, jump out at me um, to remind me to acknowledge him in all my ways. I'm just going to read through these quickly. There are so many, and I just grabbed four for this example, but um, there's just no end of encouragement in this way, in God's word. So let's read Matthew 6, 33. But more than anything else, put God's work first and do what he wants, and then the other things will be yours as well. You might recognize it more as seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. We've got Matthew 4, 4. Jesus answered, the scriptures say, no one can live only on food. People need every word that God has spoken. Ephesians 5, 1 to 5. Do as God does. After all, you are his dear children. Let love be your guide. Christ loved us and offered his life for us as a sacrifice that pleases God. You are God's people, so don't let it be said that any of you are immoral or indecent or greedy. Don't use dirty or foolish or filthy words. Instead, say how thankful you are. Being greedy, indecent or immoral is just another way of worshipping idols. You can be sure that people who behave in this way will never be part of the kingdom that belongs to Christ and to God. And then Romans 12, 1 to 5. Now, this is actually the guiding passage for this very everyday faith series that we as a team have been looking at. And this is it. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. That's the message version, which is a paraphrase, but it really does capture an incredible way of reading through that passage. So if we have this kind of instruction available to us, and then we go about our lives in any other way, we will end up with a poor replica of what was intended for us. We'll miss out on the best that God has. James 2.17 says that faith without works is dead. I'm sure many of us have heard that. And actually the message really made me laugh when I read it. God talk without God actions is outrageous nonsense. And um, I do like how straight and to the point that is but it is important for us to acknowledge that our faith 
our everyday faith, the faith that shapes and forms our lives, has to be backed up by our actions. And that has come through too um, in those other passages that I have just read. My everyday faith was given a bit of a shake-up just recently, and it came in the shape of Christmas, which is probably a bit surprising. Christmas is such a lovely time of year for so many. I personally, I love festive lights and I love giving gifts. I'm at that age now where I actually do prefer giving gifts than receiving them. Um, It is so enjoyable. And um, I can't wait to spend time with the people that I love at the special gatherings that happen at that time of the year. And we also have birthdays in our family at that time of the year, my husband's Christmas Eve birthday. Um, But I woke on Boxing Day and I felt incredible disappointment and I felt really flat. Those feelings had probably been building in the lead up to Christmas, but it just became really obvious to me on Boxing Day morning that I didn't feel good about all that had just come and happened and that afterglow just wasn't there for me this year. And I wondered, what is wrong with me? That I can't enjoy this incredible time like I think I see everybody else doing. And so on Boxing Day, I wrote this. Um, I have to confess, since we're talking about everyday faith, that I don't journal. I actually hate reading my own thoughts and stuff back. Like when I get home, I delightfully throw out my notes and I just, ugh, I just don't ever want to look at them again. I don't know why. I don't know why. I just, I think, well, I'm just going to go with looking forward. That's important, so. Um, But I wrote this. My Christmas was not at all how everybody else's Christmas looked. Do people really have such joyful and put-together Christmas days as their photos would suggest? I don't think it's ever like that for us. Ours is often mixed with reminders of the fractured family relationships we live with. Some disappointment when gifts ordered online don't arrive in time. And overwhelmment at all the jobs needing to be done to bring the magic of Christmas to life. I often wonder what is wrong with me, that I don't adore this so-called season of joy like I think I see others do. I guess I find it hard to sort through all the expectations that don't come to fruition at times. Because we didn't have anything to do on Boxing Day or anywhere to be, I, I guess I had time to sit with this and really sort through my feelings, um, try to make sense of where this was coming from and what had brought the disillusionment about what should be a really joyful time of year. And to me, it seems like I made a rookie error when it comes to everyday faith and living as a Christian follower of Jesus. Because without realising it, I had put my hope in a whole heap of things that were inadequate. They were happiness bringers and they were good things. The experience of Christmas, like I mentioned, all the things that I enjoy, like the lights and the time spent with people, the festive atmosphere, the sharing of gifts. I had put somehow a flimsy hope in those things instead of putting it in the true joy giver, 
even though, in theory, I know that. And as I've mentioned a few times, I've known it for so many years. But sometimes we act differently to what we know. Sometimes we know we're doing it, other times we don't. By doing that, I had actually cut myself off from true joy that comes from everyday life with Jesus and had replaced it with the fleeting happiness that comes with events and human things that, like I said, can be wonderful but are fleeting. And as good as these things are, they can only bring joy if the joy giver is in the front of the ball. And that is the flat out bottom line for me when it comes to everyday faith, is constantly, daily, putting Jesus in front of all, all the other things, all the people, all the good stuff, in front of church, in front of serving, in front of kindness and helping. If I try to do those things and I haven't got Jesus at the front, they will end up ugly in some way. They'll end up empty, whether that's for other people or just for me, but then won't be the full measure of joy that there should be. It might seem like a really small thing to look to something or someone else to bring fulfillment, but I see it's like a tiny ripple that ends up with us torn up and holding on to hope that doesn't deliver. We can even end up being bitter and foolish in our everyday lives. And so this I found as I was preparing my notes, Psalm 73, verses 21 to 26. Then I realised that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. So that's the remedy. It starts out with the problem and it brings the remedy. Psalm 73, God's word always has the answers close at hand. And when there is a question, when there is a struggle, there is a way forward and a way through. Verse 23, I still belong to you. That's the first reminder that I might have gotten distracted, confused, forgetful for a bit, but that hasn't changed that I belong to God. You hold my right hand. God is still beside me. The foolishness I sometimes choose hasn't made him walk away. He's not a deserter. He's the most loyal of friends. Verse 24, you guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. The direction that leads to life is still available and the destiny he has for me doesn't expire because of my errors. It is not reliant on my success, my commitment, my, I guess, the way that I go about my daily life. Yes, it's impacted by that of how blessed I may be and the types of joy I will experience, but 
his counsel and his presence does not expire based on my mistakes. And then the writer, which um, I assumed was King David, but it says um, in my notes that it was um, Asaph and his sons, and they were the leaders of worship um, that David um, appointed to that role over the people of Israel. Um, And I love that the leaders of worship weren't all perfect in their expression to God, that um, they were very real, and it was very, um, I guess, open and honest. Verse 25, no one compares to God in all of heaven and earth, and even when life is a struggle in things that we can't control and things that we can, God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. I falter, you falter, but God doesn't change. He is never less than the complete answer that we need and that we are looking for. He cannot be removed from me and I can't be removed from him. Every time I turn to him, he is there for me. He has not left, he has not deserted. On Boxing Day, um, I wrote a bit more than what I read before. This is the second half of what I wrote. Then I realised that I've once again put my faith in the completely wrong things at this time of year. I was looking to twinkling lights and Pinterest-worthy decor, perfectly behaving families and even genuinely grateful souls to deliver me the joy, even when I know so well that they can't do that. So I recalibrate and I restore my joy by looking to the only one who is more than enough. Thank you, Jesus. You make everything all right again. You bring sense to my world in simple ways that I can understand and complex ways that I cannot comprehend. And then I can honestly wish a holy and joy-filled Christmas to others because I refound what makes it so. Do you feel a sense of bitterness or confusion? Maybe it's just disappointment or ripped, being ripped and torn by life in some way. Maybe you don't. Maybe you feel fantastic. Maybe you feel like everything is put together. But when you step back from it all, do you know that you belong to him without a doubt? I think there are two answers. Yes and no. No would include also maybe and I don't know because essentially that's, well, no, I don't know it. How will you respond? Regardless of what your answer is, then as I'm learning, I would encourage you to acknowledge him in everything. Go to him with everything. Let him direct and lead you in the way that he has for you his path. He will stay with you, give you the best advice along the way and be everything you need, regardless of what life is doing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you've been so good and gracious to us in sending Jesus, in giving us a full and complete answer for life, for hope and joy. I thank you that you have reminded me again to acknowledge you in all of my ways and you will be faithful and you will direct my paths and you will forgive me as I trip and fall again and learn and relearn the lessons that I already know. And I pray for each soul in this room that they would 
sense the same amount of grace and faithfulness that comes from a good God, a God that completed everything in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You are truly the answer that we all desire. And I pray that each soul would seek you in this new year and make it a year of joy and growth and fulfillment in you. In Jesus' holy name, we pray together. Amen.